Ladles and Jelly Spoons, welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. We are hanging out with Jesse Brace here at the Days Inn. We are firing up the YouTube and the Facebook Live as we speak. So we're just pressing go on all these things. YouTube always takes a minute to decide if it wants to play or not. But it looks like that is up and running. Double check the audio. Sounds good. And then the Facebook Live. And of course, it's too close. The Facebook Live is always too close. There we go, that looks a little better. Make sure we can see you. Is it, is it, are we live? On YouTube, and we're about to be live on Facebook. Okay. We went live on Facebook right now. Hello, YouTube. There you go, and there's Facebook Live, and that is up and running. Oh, and that's really loud. There it is. Okay. Okay. Is it up? Is it up for you? Did yeah. You find it? Yeah, it took it took it a second. Good. Well, I'm glad we got our normally shaky round table. Wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be truth, love, and peace if we didn't have some obstacles in the way. This is uh, it's interesting to watch myself live. <laughs> <laughs> On delay. Yeah. I'm like, is it now? Now, now. No, it's uh, it's a few seconds. It's, I don't know, 10 seconds behind, I guess. Just, it always reminds me of the Spaceball clip. The, um, uh, is it now, now? When, when's it going to be now? Ah. Is, yeah. uh, then, this, then is then. Now is now. Now is now. <laughs> then will be later. Mel Brooks, man, that's um I don't put this away. He uh he gave me my entree, or not my entree, but my favorite line in, in regards to stand-up comedy, which is uh in History of the World Part One when he goes, da da my stand-up philosopher. It's like, yeah, it's my excuse for not being funny. And it sounds like the audio is there. And there we go, the video quality on Facebook Live is always a little shoddy, but who cares? Alright, so thanks for joining us, Facebook Live, everything's up and running, YouTube's up and running. Welcome, truth, love, and peace, this is Jesse Brace, and um, here we are. We, I don't even remember which episode this is, I don't really need this computer, so we're going to put that down, this is just in case we want to fact check anything. Um, so... I guess the backstory is you and I met here doing the back porch comedy open mic thing, which has been a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we'll start there. How long have you been hanging out down here? Since May, so like seven, seven or eight months. Nice. A little, little bit before I got here, which I don't quite remember that when that was. But um, you are also a substitute teacher right. or a teacher. How long have you been doing that? Um, about a year and a half. Awesome. And vacation starts today, so vacation is excellent. It is. I'd rather I'd, I'd rather do without it, just because <laughs> if I don't work, I don't get paid. It's a per diem kind of thing. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, Let's. 
I've learned I've learned it's okay to go to comedy and tell people that I'm a substitute teacher, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the other way around to go to school and tell people I I do comedy. I mean, it's okay, but I just uh, I don't know. Like, there's some like when I'm on stage, it's an open forum for me where I can and I, I can even I can let go of all morality even like I can say things that I don't even agree with mm-hmm. just for the because it's comedy right um, but then I don't know like how much how much does morality I think I think there's probably a part of morality that matters as a comic like if you look into your joke and you think and you try to figure out what's why is this funny or like what's the message here Sometimes I kind of retract. I'm like, oh, I don't know that I really want to promote some like really bad stereotype or something. Right. Um, but I, I guess I guess I shouldn't feel bad if there, there's this documentary that talks about <laughs> um, how com- in comedy it's um, either everything is funny or nothing's funny. And it's kind of anything goes. And if you start drawing lines and saying that you can't joke about, you can't joke about racism or you can't joke about fat people or whatever, then there's it ends up being like too wishy-washy, and it makes it not fun. Is another thing. I agree with that. I think uh, putting limitations on art is uh, is exactly not the point of art, um, and. I agree that uh, I think it's the, it goes back to comedy and tragedy. You know, there there is a duality for a reason, and uh, I am very much in the camp that that everything has to be funny, or that that nothing is off limits. And granted, because it comes down to perspective for me, I think perspective is really important. And so when we were saying earlier about how finding, uh, you know, finding that voice. And sometimes it's dark, and maybe it it may not stand up to a moral test. It may not stand up to a moral test, but if it's a valid perspective, I think there, I think there's always humor in that somewhere. Because what is the saying? Comedy is just tragedy plus time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think is a, the fourth dimension comes back to perspective. So I I agree with you, and I think that when trying to talk about it in public, when some you know, you go in public and tell somebody you're a comedian. It all, it's always weird because of the perspective of what a comedian does. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Or at least that's my experience. Have you had any experience with... Um, well, I, I went to... I, told, I was telling you about that talent show I went to at a school. Yeah, catch everybody up. So you did some comedy in um, front of uh, some people. Yeah, I got, I got looped into doing a talent show at a school and doing comedy and... Uh, most like almost zero percent of my material I was like repeatable at like a public school <laughs> exactly a public situation so uh, I just looked up some Santa Claus jokes online and twisted them into my own weird perspective and uh, that was that worked uh, it was fun at, at the end of the day it's, it's just got to be fun I agree with that. I agree with that. I uh, I got distracted for a moment because I was just remembering uh, we were discussing 
this little experiment and uh and you were talking about framing and uh mm-hmm. and so i i i got distracted by wanting to ask like what do, what do you think of the framing oh um it looks <laughs> are we too far away uh it looks okay i'd maybe tighten it up it's okay. <laughs> see if we can oh it's i can't do the digital zoom from there? on here no that's all right Nah, we'll worry about it another time. That's good. But I mean, so plug. Let's get some plugs in here. Um, when you're not doing stand-up comedy in uh, on the spot in a school for people who don't understand that that's not how comedy works, uh, it typically requires a club and an atmosphere and a crowd that's expecting it, <laughs> or at least it works better that way. But then again, I'm not a real stand-up comic yet, so I, I, I could be wrong. I'm sure there are people that could walk into any situation and make it work. Uh, but I've seen some of your YouTube work, mm-hmm. and it is hysterical <laughs> and really well done. So what is the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, it's just my name for now. Just Jesse? Jesse Brace. Gotcha. Um, I'm probably going to change it, though, so that Jesse Eats is probably like the title of the channel. That makes sense. Separate my other stuff into some other channel. I'm still learning YouTube and all that stuff, but you've been doing it for a while. I mean, obviously, your editing skills are way up there. I don't. I won't even edit stuff. So you are exceptionally better than I am already at editing. Um. Well, thank you. First of all, (laughs) Um, Jesse Jesse eats is actually it turned like one year one year old like the other day, and I only have like five or six six episodes. Well, happy um, birthday to your YouTube. Thanks. Um, yay. Um, and there's there's no reason. There's, I don't have an excuse other than I'm just... I only do it when I have free time. I'm not... Well, and it should be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was actually what initiated the first episode was I worked super hard on some other thing mm-hmm. where, like, I have my beard grow, like, in reverse or something, and... It took me like a week of editing, and it was painful. It was like <laughs> tedious, and I, ha- I, I kind of hated it. And then when I uploaded the finished product, I was like, this video kind of sucks. Oh. And like, it's okay. It's watchable, I guess. Yeah. But I didn't love it. I, I wasn't happy. So, uh, in that sort of depressed, you know, frustrated state, I was just like, I, I just, I'm going to do something like it was. A state of nihilism I was like nothing matters <laughs> like people upload the worst garbage and they spend no time on it and get it gets more views or whatever yeah than yeah. some laborious thing so I was just like all right I'm just gonna do what I want to do what I would be doing and I filmed myself eating some strawberries like not giving a crap just very like hating the world <laughs> like in that video like I hate the world and I'm like nothing has any meaning there's no there's no truth or love or God or anything good. <laughs> um, but then I uploaded it and I was like, well, that was fun because I had that immediate um, gratification. Just I'd filmed it, I uploaded it, it was done. It, I didn't take me a week. And, and then just kind of spinned off from there. People kind of enjoyed it like more than the thing I worked really hard on. So. Um, yeah. Well, I know I liked it. Uh... I I didn't see haven't seen the strawberry episode yet. I saw the sandwich episode, mm. and what I, that one looked like it had been edited a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
what I really liked about it was it was just it was honest, it was clean, and it was it was no frills. It was just like here, if, if you want something to watch, watch this. And it was funny because I had played it before, but it came up in one of my other lists, my, one of my playlists. And so when I was standing in my kitchen. I was making coffee. It would have been great if I'd actually been eating something, but I was making coffee and it just came on in this playlist. And so there was this other kitchen that I was looking at, my kitchen, while we were doing kitchen things. It was very, it was very interesting. But it, it's because it's so simple and it, it, it um, it's very comfortable mm-hmm. in, that, in that way, which I, I really enjoy. So, and I totally agree with as little editing as possible. <laughs> Yeah, that that episode. Um, it did take take me like one day to edit. It that's took, not, it took like a few not. hours, but it was. I had I had way more fun doing it, like mm-hmm. going in and adding like fart noises for the ketchup yeah. and things like that. It was fun. So. Well, the mayonnaise, like <laughs> <laughs> you, the mayonnaise, fully was perfect. It couldn't have been any better. That, that the sound of that mayonnaise is stirring macaroni. I don't know. If, Oh, I think you had told me that before, and I had forgotten, and that makes it all the more tasty. All the more tasty. The uh, Mm, the ketchup the ketchup is from a video of kids sitting around at like a Chuck E. Cheese making fart noises with ketchup and laughing (laughs) about it, and that was that was fun. Near perfect. That's great. That's great. Uh, Do you have plans? For any upcoming ones, I know I asked you earlier, but do you want to reveal any of you? Um, to give anybody a trailer for the upcoming Jesse Eats? There's, I've got like probably a rotting cactus pear in my refrigerator, um, but I think I'll do an episode about that, and I think I want to get some guests, guest chefs. On my show. So, oh, that'd be so fun. I gotta convince people to come hang out at my house, though. So. It's not hard. It's not hard. <laughs> Find somebody like me that's not doing something on an afternoon and uh, drag them away from their social media because all it's doing is making us angry. Yeah. I'm sure you can yeah. find volunteers. Yeah. Hopefully. People, people that want to hang out. If, worst case scenario, you'd be like, look, have you seen these mutton chops? <laughs> Who else can you hang out with with these mutton chops that's gonna feed you for a YouTube special? <laughs> I think you got a good sell there, for sure. Um, so, for all of you, uh, I haven't even looked at the Facebook, but uh, there you go. Could do Jesse it. Eats. Jesse Eats on my mutton chops. Jesse Eats. Could be like a surreal. So like surrealism where I, like I cut them off and it like, I throw it on the grill and it turns into food and I don't know. Full on Dadaism. Just go for it. You might as well. It'd be more fun. My computer is now trying to connect to my camera. It's not real smart. I was going to see if if my computer wanted to work, but it doesn't. Anyway, uh, so Jesse Eats on Jesse Brace Facebook page. Uh, if anybody wants to go and be a guest on Jesse's show, hit him up. Do you have any other web pages that we should get in there? Um, kind of. I've got like robocrates.net. But I don't know oh, if it's, we gotta talk about Robocrates. I don't know if it's working because my free web provider is like, it randomly turns it off and has a message like, "This website is asleep. It's taking a little nap. So <laughs> come back later and maybe it'll hang out with you." 
So. Well, let's just dive into Robocrates because I wanted to, to bring up some of the AI stuff. I saw some news on Sophie and, uh, and a few other things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I dove into a bunch of AI the other night. Oh, yeah, what'd you find? What'd you find? There's, well, there's a video, it's, it, sh it shows up on YouTube a lot for me. Um, it's two robots having a debate, and it's Sophia and another like previous version of Sophia. Mm hmm. I haven't seen this one. Do tell. They're having a debate, and who wins, or is it a winning kind of thing? I don't know. I like. I'm really suspicious of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, Sophia seems like seems really like realistic and lifelike. Um, yeah. She's never. She never says something that's like out of context or like as though she does. She seems to understand what's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, almost no matter what. Like. It's it's it is really impressive, and I think there probably is some really impressive AI going on there. But I do I get this like I, I kind of can smell like a some maybe um, I don't want to say foul play, but just like some shenanigans, pre-scripted stuff or something like yeah, some shortcuts, some not quite whole truth. Yeah, some because otherwise, like she she seems like she's already passed the Turing test to me. And See now the the like impression that I was giving is it sorry no 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 go ahead finish finish it finish. just seems like she's a little too good is why I'm like suspicious it's, okay. it seems too real yeah I was uh, given an example that says she's basically a child with a college uh, uh, lexicon college vocabulary hmm. so does how does that affect your opinion um, would that change anything in just if she had these ridiculous verbal skills but minus the critical thinking skills. I don't know because that's such a like that's such a high level description of what's going on um, like to say a robot has um, like the mind of a child that's mm -hmm. that's like a really high level description of um, that's like that's something you, we could say about humans like mm -hmm. we could that's um, whereas with robots it's like well what does that what does that actually mean does she have like does she have like Wikipedia as a Database. I don't know. It's it's too vague for me to um, to make a like an, an analytical kind of statements about. Um. Well, let's back up for a second and give people a little bit of background. I want to flesh out Robocrates some more. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Robocrates, mm -hmm. that is this website you're talking about, is a chatbot that you created. Mm -hmm. Do tell. When and how and why and where and all the goodies. Okay. Um, so Robocrates started in 2011, mm -hmm. August 26th is his birthday. Nice. Um, August 26th. <laughs> he's a Leo, I think. No, almost. Almost? Yeah, I, I can't give you that one. I'm Leo pretty sure August it's 22 to 22. That's because I'm a Leo. That's the only reason I know that. So he's probably a Virgo, August, September. I'd love to accept Robocrates into the club, but I don't think he qualifies. <laughs> Not that it matters. But anyway, August 26th. Um, I he actually started from a podcast in a way. Really? Yeah. Um, the radio. There's a Radio Lab podcast. I love Radio Lab. It's Great really podcast. good. Every one I've heard is amazing. <clears throat> um, they did a podcast on chatbots and Cleverbot. Mm -hmm. What they talked to the creator of Cleverbot, mm -hmm. and the guy like explained kind of the premise, like the basic first version of Cleverbot, which mm -hmm. was at first it doesn't know 
anything to say. It has no like vocabulary, if you will. And then once you say hi to it, then it adds your input into its like dictionary. Mm -hmm. And now it has like one thing it can say back, which is hi. So mm -hmm. it'll say hi back to you. So immediately, in a way, it already seems kind of intelligent. You said hi, it says hi. That's mm -hmm. like a human standard thing. Um, and then once it builds up every time you talk to it, how does it choose what to spit back out? It can just, can just be a random thing. And I thought, that's so simple. Like, that algorithm is so easy, easily implemented that anybody with, like, some programming can make a chatbot that simple. And mm -hmm. so I just, I went into my, I use GameMaker to program. Just make what is it called again? GameMaker. Gotcha. It's primarily for making games, but it's general enough you can make programs with it. So... So when Game Maker made um, Robocrates, he was he was originally called like Cleverbot version two or something. Mm -hmm. I like Robocrates way better. Yeah. I'm, I'm big into all that ancient Greek Roman philosophy stuff. So Robocrates is a huge score in my book. <laughs> <laughs> way better than Cleverbot two point I'm, I'm very I'm very proud of his name, um, and someone else owns Robocrates.com. I can't. Like I can't afford to buy it from them. How much do they want for it? Do you know? At one point, they had they had a number. They was like buy this domain for like. It was like, like thousand or two thousand like, dollars. No, it was like thirty thousand. Ooh. So like, there was stuff going on around that name. Mm -hmm. Something anyway. Some yeah. I ended up finding the guy's email. Me, I'm like, why are you why do you want this? Why are you selling this for so much? Because I was kind of complimented. I was like, really? Like this name is that big of a deal? So. Mm. Um, he was like, well, why do... He, he emailed me back, um, like, a month later, and was like, well, think about, like, why people spend thousands of dollars on a billboard ad. <laughs> did he know, like, did, could you tell if he knew about the, your chatbot called Robocrates? Um, I, I think I asked in the email, and I think he did not know. I don't, I don't remember. Okay. It's been a while. So he wasn't gunning for you. Particular, in, I, in particular. I'm not 100% sure. I would like to think so that he like looked at my chatbot because there used to be an old version you could download, but now the website I use uh, no longer. Uh, well, if you had a downloadable version, that's Google searchable. So if this guy's just cranking out names, yeah, I'm going with he knew who you, who you were. Like we're we're calling Robocrates a thirty thousand dollar chatbot because <laughs> it sounds better. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I do, I, I hope one day that he, because the premise of Robocrates is kind of like, my major in college was philosophy, so um, I thought it'd be cool to have a bot that was focused on philosophical debate, mm -hmm. that, you know, focused on, you know, questions, big questions, and could kind of, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's, I don't know. I'm fascinated by philosophy, so that is a worthwhile endeavor in my book. Was there a particular philosophy genre or question or, or angle that you were interested in that, that you... Did you have an idea of where you wanted to go philosophically in any way, shape, or form? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I, was, I was super interested in existentialism. Um, ethics is... I find ethics interesting and um, metaphysics, which, yeah, those are... Yeah, so the three names that come to mind for me, um, 
existentialism is Nietzsche just all over the place because I'm predictable um, and then the other one was uh, ethics would be Peter Singer I think Peter Singer for me is, is way up there ethics that's the first guy that comes to mind hmm. and then the third one what was the third one that said uh, metaphysics metaphysics probably the futurist like Ray Kurzweil would be the f- Michio Kaku was the first guy that came to mind. Who are, hmm. do you have any names to go along with that for, uh, for references? Um, hmm. And if not a name, just uh, in the interest of helping disseminate some information. Yeah, I, I could tell point you somebody in some directions. Who my my who I'm a biggest fan of, I guess. That sounds good. Or who you read recently? Like favorites is hard to do. Like who did you read last? That's that's a good way to go. Hmm. But but if you have uh, some that. That you've carried with you, that you recall quickly. Um, those kind of yeah, definitely. Like Alan Watts. I'm always, I'm just al- got into Alan Watts. Talk about Alan Watts. I'm I'm a little surprised how often like people don't know who Alan Watts is. This was me two days so, ago. This was me two days ago. Russell mentioned it, and I had to go do some research, and I am now in love with uh, with Doctor Watts. So cool. Yeah. Uh, tell me your your Alan Watts story. It's not Alan Watts. What's uh, his first name? His first name? Yeah, Watts. Doctor Watts. It's Alan. I just said, I said yeah. okay, so it is yeah, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, when did you get into Watts? I don't remember. Um, I think probably my first exposure to him was like a YouTube video where the, uh, Matt and Trey Parker, the creators yeah. of South yeah, Park, yeah. They, they took like an Alan Watts recording and made an animation of it. Sweet. Where, um, yeah, you should check it out. Um, it's like, there's, there's at least like two of them. There might be more. I think there's more now, but... Um, it's a recording where he talks about how um, how the the Earth, if if you uh, went back like a millions of years, mm-hmm. aliens might have flown by the Earth, looked at it, and just been like, ah, oh, just a bunch of rocks. And then uh, you know, millions of years go by, and the Earth like peoples, like the way an apple apple tree apples creates mm-hmm. apples, like the Earth peoples. And it, it's you know, it's it's an Alan Watts rant, and he talks about. Um, I'm not sure if this is the same video, but he talks about how a person will go to school and all along there's like this goal, like, here, kitty, 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 come on, you know, you're going to get good grades, you're going to get chocolate or whatever. Yeah, this, that's the journey one. I've and, seen that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I think yeah, that is the same one. I remember, uh, I think I caught some of the one we were talking to Russell about yeah. the, if life were a journey, mm-hmm. if, you know, um, if the most important part of a song was the very last note, <laughs> yeah. then there would be entire songs with just one note, and people would show up and applaud. And yeah. Yeah, it'd just be a big crash. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alan Watts is awesome. Uh, he just has he just has the perfect, just most charming voice. He's I've heard in some of his recordings, he says uh, the reason he talks, like the reason he does what he what he does doing these talks is because he likes the sound of his own voice. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, when you have a voice like Alan Watts. He's a man after my own heart. <laughs> um, That's great. That's great. I mean, I enjoy coming across new philosophers like that. Um, I remember I saw the picture of him and I was like, oh, he looks like a polite Bukowski. And I was immediately just hooked. I was like, okay, I can get behind that. Like anybody that's got a beard and smokes a cigarette, he's has at least considered life for a moment. <clears throat> so Alan Watts and uh, which one of those? Where would you put him on the um, existentialism? 
or the I almost I almost uh, separate my camps of like philosophy and like more spiritual stuff but I do like I do he is a philosopher in the yep. book but I guess he would be like a metaphysics gotcha ethics yeah um I can see that yeah anybody else come to mind I, I don't know a whole lot of Watts right now, so I can't go very deep uh, on, on his work. But I can name I'm more people you don't. Ahead. I can name people you don't know. That I know. Bray, please do. Please, that's the whole point of this. Name some more people that when I go back and listen to this, I can be like, "Who in the world?" and learn something. Hopefully, I'm a huge fan of Stuart Wilde. Do tell, Dude, he's, Stuart Wilde. He's another British philosopher. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also better with. Uh, philosophies and theories and, and postulations than names. So hmm. premises I, I recall faster than names. Uh, so Stephen Wilde is known for Stuart Wilde. Stuart Wilde, Wilde is known for. He's he's another uh, speaker. Um, he got rich in the jeans business when he was young, and I guess he got tired of being rich, and he went on a spiritual journey. Good for him. And. Uh, yeah, I just, um, one tape I listened to maybe like a hundred times over like a year or two in high school um, was uh, The Infinite Self, and it talks about how he believes you're, you're not your body, because your body changes mm -hmm. and dies, and you're not, your, you're not your mind, you're not your beliefs, you're not your ideas, that you're an infinite being inside like a limited body, and um, so he's got this concept of... Uh, infinitude in, inside of everybody and a lot of this philosophy and same with Alan Watts it, it's not like his philosophy it's uh, they studied the ancient mystics who have been saying these things for years yeah. and uh, they, they've taken it so that they can understand it in a way and present it to a western audience yeah I totally understand that like my philosophy is an amalgamation of all of these great philosophers I've been exposed to hmm. and it's my perspective on what a bunch of other really smart people have taught me over the years, and it's constantly evolving. But I, but I think that's true for everybody's philosophy, or anybody with any reason. That's true for everybody's philosophy. Well, that's 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 how I describe my religion when people ask what my religion yeah. is. Is like, I'm I'm just like an amalgamation of all the religious experiences and ideas I've had, mm -hmm. and it, it's too hard to like. I do have labels. Like if people really want a label, I I say that I'm a pan in theist. I used to pan be an theist. Break used, that down for us. I used to be a pan and deist, and I used to be a, a deist, and I used to be agnostic, and I used to be Christian. And, uh, I go with anti-theist these days, but pan. What was it again? I'd have to Wikipedia, and since I've decided on that pan and theist, there's the n has a meaning too. Like okay. Pantheism. There's pan and theism. Um, Is this pan in like exponential, like? Um, okay, so... The, the exponential potential of deism, something like that? Um, I don't remember. It's like, it's a pretty, it's pretty technical. Um, it, and it was like years ago when I super agreed with the Wikipedia definition, which has since been changed, and I oh, looked it up and it's like, oh, I don't, that's not what I believe anymore, so I don't know what it is. But, um, but Pan is like, um, God is like everywhere and everything. Okay. And then there's like theism, and then there's deism, and that's another technicality. Uh, yeah, I don't get into, I don't get into deism, hmm. uh, or at least not mono, not monotheistic deism. That's problematic. Hmm. I uh, I like 
praying to Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's an old Carlin bit. But, uh, you know, I think we could all pray to Tony Burkett and, and just and <laughs> probably probably come out better, man. <laughs> probably come out way better. This is not cooperating. Oh, the poor little days in guests. I want a definition on panentheism now. I'm really curious. And the internet's trying to come up. Here it comes. Here we go. Panentheism. It's en theism. Panentheism from the ancient Greek expression, Latin I can't pronounce. Literally, all in God is the belief that divine pervades and interpenetrates every part of the universe and also extends beyond time and space. <laughs> yeah, so I'm okay with that. My version of the, the definition of God is just the things we can't explain with science yet, like just the things we don't understand yet. So that's not all that far off. But I love talking about all that shit. Love it, love it, love it. So, Tell me all in God. Because <laughs> I'm on my way to see her. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't heard of that one. I haven't heard of that one. It's a good song. Pan in theism. It is a good song. <laughs> Pan in theism. All in God. See, this. These are the kind of things that make my wheels turn because I start thinking. I immediately have to figure out how I can put that into my worldview, hmm. and whether or not I can make sense of that, and and whether or not it fits. I think there's, you could probably, it might be out there already, but make like a flow chart of like, all right, do you think, because that's how I ended up at the Wikipedia, was like, well, do I think that um, there's certain like technical things, like do you think, like if you, let's say you believe there is some kind of God, something, um, mm -hmm. that you're not atheist or anti-theist, or um, then, then you can like narrow what do you mean by God, um, do you mean like, is he like is he outside of the universe or is he inside of the universe? And that becomes like one of the things. Um, and if he's like inside of the universe, like or or is he like both inside and out? Um, did he exist before the universe, or is he? There's there's just so many like different. And um, has anybody ever charged him with sexual harassment? Yeah. You know these questions come up. Yeah. Um, I um, I like I like I like talking about. Like this is one of my favorite topics, and I just I almost never get to talk about it. Um, we dive in, buckle up. Here we go, cause I love love it, love it, love it. Would you like for me to give you some of my stuff to jump off of? Yeah, definitely. All right. So what's what's like your when people ask like what's your religion? What do you truth, love, and peace? That's how this whole thing came about. It's the name of the podcast, and it's part of a philosophy that uh, that I built around a meta theory about motives. Um, so truth, love, and peace, what, those are representations of emotion and context and power or control. Um, so truth being the ultimate power, you know, the, the only information being the ultimate power, and truth being the culmination of every possible perspective, which gets you to capital T truth. If anything is real, then that's kind of my always gaining new perspectives will eventually get you to as close to the truth as you'll ever get. Because you'll never see all the perspectives. And so that's the big framework for the, the love of knowledge and the journey of knowledge. And then, of course, these are the idealized forms. Religion, for me, spirituality is an idealized form of something to be moved towards. You know, the concept of the, it's, 
not the, the journey because the journey has a destination that uh, Watts talks about. It's the, the playfulness. It's the entirety of the thing. And so the, for me, truth is significant because there is no truth without the entirety of perspective. You have to have all of it to understand it completely. So that's my root. Uh, that's my critical thinking aspect. That's, that's my reasoning part. Um, and then the love is the idealized form of emotion, which the counterpoint is fear, which encompasses the fight, fight or flight, you know, the primitive monkey bullshit versus the higher order enlightened being, uh, which that ties into Maslow and a ton of other things. And then the peace aspect is the idealized form of the context, like it's the state of being that we all hope to be in. So that's my religion. My religion, truth, love, and peace. Not that any of that is actually achievable, but that we should always try. <laughs> so, any of that ring a bell for you? Um, Take it apart. Come on, tear it apart. I was thinking, what if, just to, as a philosopher, I play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do that. I do this every day with with this philosophy. So, um, so what if someone like thinks that there there just is no truth? It's all. Then that's one perspective. It's like. And that, like, it's added to your truth? Yeah, because that one person's perspective is insignificant. My perspective is insignificant. Your perspective is insignificant. But the perspective of the collective consciousness, which we were talking about earlier, about how we are the rise of this, the earth has been peopled. Well, the peopling is just the representation of the energy that was stored in the roots and then manifests in a way for the plant to regenerate itself. And so... What do I care about whether the apple, other apple falls before or after me? Because the, the fruition has been met in, in the inception. Because there, can, there can't be anything else but motion after the inception. And so if somebody doesn't believe, if someone is a nihilist and doesn't believe in truth, then that person is like a zero. They're holding a space. They may not be contributing to truth because they don't believe in it. But by participating in reality, then they're occupying a unique space and time, which means their perspective, no matter how, whatever, is still relevant. But that goes back to, like I was talking about perspective earlier, you know, what is it that's unique about us is that we occupy a unique space and time and no one else can occupy our same space and time. And so it ties in a lot to what we, the only thing that we can possibly be here to do is perceive reality from this perspective because it's the only thing we can do. So that ties into what I know as, as truth and, and getting into this whole thing is a charade. <laughs> huh. That's, that's um, the whole thing is charade. That's kind of one thing Stuart, Stuart Wilde talks about is how we incarnate into this reality to experience limitation. Yeah, um, duality. Like he definitely, he kind of sees the physical world as being an illusion of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, and Alan Watts does too in his, in his way. He's like, he has this story that I love. I'm going to ruin it for you if you haven't heard it. Well, I'm not going to ruin it, but um, uh, he, he says, imagine, imagine going to bed one night and uh, you can dream you, you can just dream as long as you want. You can dream for an infinity, and you can dream anything you want, any of your uh, desires, anything, just any dream you want to have, you can have for millions and millions of years. Eventually, you would dream that you are sitting exactly where you're sitting right now. Mm -hmm. 
you would you would dream every dream until you got bored of flying and having superpowers or whatever and you would mm-hmm. just you would voluntarily choose to have these like limitations and um, these just because uh, like this this dream is very this this waking dream is limiting and yet it in a way it's a story that maybe your soul has never seen it's like a movie you've never seen before or a song you've never heard and so that's a good way to put it yeah it's like I'm interested in what it would be like to maybe maybe uh, you've you've lived a thousand incarnations and you were like a woman for a thousand incarnations and like you're just tired you're like what's it what would it be like to be a man um, I, I think the person that was as stuck as a woman for a thousand incarnations was missing whatever point they were supposed to be getting because <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Um, I, I agree with, with everything that you're saying. I, my take on reincarnation, my perspective on reincarnation is that, um, that each incarnation is an opportunity to learn something. And, and, the, and this comes out of the Buddhist traditions but there are there are lessons to be learned in between and that I don't know how familiar with parapsychology and uh, Michael Weiss you are but there's a book called Many Lives Many Masters where this guy devout Christian sets out to disprove reincarnation and disprove uh, hypnotic regression and regressing people into past lives and then he becomes the huge advocate for it after he regresses a couple of people and ends up finding all these commonalities but Mm -hmm what his all these he's over 1200 case studies and in a ridiculously statistically significant number of correlations start popping up about this other place that is life after death and it's not it's not necessarily heaven it's not necessarily hell it's much more like a university or like a school where you go and you're with all these other people and you're there to have a good time and you learn some stuff and you talk about the stuff that you did or didn't learn and if you've been a woman for a thousand times, somebody, your best friend probably is going to come up and be like, why can't you just get that one thing so we can move on to the next party? But, um, but yeah, it's, it's part of an educational process. And there was another analogy that when you said it's like a play that you haven't seen yet or a, a book that you haven't read or a song that you haven't heard yet, that reincarnation isn't this multiple lives over and over and over thing but if all time is condensed into one point then your life is laid out before you and so reincarnation is just a matter of going back to a specific point in your life and starting from there and going back to a different point in your life and just starting from there and reliving the same thing over and over again to some extent for some period of times it's a possibility and it's an interesting theory when you think about it from the other side of it's something that you haven't experienced and you have to learn from to something that you're repeating until you learn from it. <laughs> that, that's kind of a fantasy I think about all the time is yeah. going back to a certain point and like choosing a different path. Because um, that's, that's how you would, I mean, that's how you would figure out which would be the more preferable path is like if you could take yeah. both paths and then compare them, but... Um, Oh, I, thought, I, I know, I was, was wondering like, what that was, being, too. Am I being shushed? <laughs> <laughs> Shush us. <laughs> we have microphones. Uh, I, uh, so, but yeah, being able to experiment and see which one of those paths you like better. 
uh, or is more valuable, or, or, or take both for the sake of knowing both. You know, there are lots of good reasons for that, I think. Do you have any favorites? Any favorites? Uh, moments to return to. Um, oh yeah. Or pad divergent Just paths. Any any uh, regret? I've <laughs> <laughs> um, no need for regret. It's already over. Yeah, it's regret's an emotion. Um, I, I've learned I've learned how to be really efficient with my emotions because they emotions really hold people back. Um, like baggage and it's it's a very very common human experience to to get stuck in an emotion and um, I've learned I've learned some technology in a way from Stuart Wilde about how to process certain emotions that um, just are really nice like for example um, anger uh, all anger comes from loss and if you like, if you want to stop being angry, then you ha what you have to do is just agree to let it go. Like you know, you can like if someone steals your tennis shoe, like you can take steps to get your tennis shoe back. But um, like most of the time, things aren't like worth going back and getting. And it's, it's just the emotional hangup isn't worth it. Um, that makes sense. So, but, uh, hey, um, do we have any, like, are there any co comments on the oh, Facebook thing? Or we can, while well, this is coming up, we can find out. Awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, turn this down. Says you're not too cold with the skirt. You oh, must, must uh, Jeanette, I think, left that one earlier. Yeah. I... No, I have lots of layers on because I started wearing a kilt in Cincinnati mm -hmm. in the middle of the winter. So I am uh, am good at layers, very good at layers, and real big boots and real thick socks. Um, I feel like if I were to wear a skirt, I not a skirt. <laughs> it's a skirt. It's okay. You can call it a skirt. A kilt. Um, I would I would wear pants like uh, Hey Arnold, I guess. You say that, but like I feel like that would that's what I would do. Um Yeah, the a lot of people forget that the kilt is pleated mm -hmm. all the way around. And so it holds a good bit of warmth hmm. as long as there's not a real stiff breeze. Uh, a real stiff breeze will ruin the whole thing. Ah. Yeah. Um I'm never too cold in the skirt because, uh, yeah, there, it, it makes me happy to know how, how easy it is for me to control people's minds. Like a lot of the experiment that this life is for me is being disappointed and angry that I couldn't be telepathic as a child because <laughs> that's what I wanted my superpower to be. <laughs> and so when I realized that that wasn't going to happen, I decided to become a ninja because they could, could do cool, mystical, magical things, and that was a little closer to reality. Hmm. And uh, so I started studying ninjutsu and, and philosophy and, oh, and yeah. martial arts and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I realized that, um, that one of the easiest ways to actually control people's minds was uh, the power of suggestion. 
and uh, magicians do this all the time, you know, distractions and the power suggestion and stuff like that. And so one of the reasons that I still wear the kilt and that I wear the kilt all the time is because it's really novel. It's really entertaining. Not only is it really comfortable, but it is a huge tell for me. Like if, because of the way that people respond to it, mm-hmm. I can, because I've studied for a really long time people's behaviors, I, um, I can judge really quickly what, kind, what level we're gonna be on. Like, uh, if someone notices the kilt, mm-hmm. that's one level. If somebody uh, makes wants to tell me about their buddy that wears a kilt, then we know what level that is. That has nothing to do with me, and that's just a you know moment for someone else to say some shit about themselves that is irrelevant to the situation. Uh, and then there's also the people that don't even notice the kilt, which just blows my mind. Like, how can you be in the presence of, of something? It's one thing to not comment on the kilt. It's another thing to not even notice the kilt. And these are the people who a few minutes later go, oh my God, you're wearing a kilt. It's like, we've been talking for 15 minutes. How unobservant are you? So there are lots of reasons. Uh, there are lots of reasons for it. And, uh, and that's one of them. I, I love being able to size people up real, real quick. That's where the, the, the truth, love, and peace religion thing came from. It came out of uh, solid theory about motivation um, from Kenneth Burke. I don't know if you're familiar with Kenneth Burke. He's a pretty incredible philosopher himself. Uh, wrote the dramatistic pentad, a couple other things. That one's one of my favorite. The, his definition of man, he talks about uh, man as the symbol-using and misusing animal and, uh, and how we are the inventor of the negative. And my favorite line is the animal that separates himself from his natural condition by implements of his own design. That's, it's amazingly that's, spot on. That's us, yeah, that's yeah. definitely human. Um, which uh, kind of brings, maybe brings up an interesting topic. Let's see if this is still wrong. I um, try, is it still going? Yeah, yeah, it's still. Okay. Um, for a while, I, there was this thing I kept hearing a lot, which was technology is gonna like make us question the human, what it means to be human. Yeah, um, I think so. And cool. um, that Kenneth Kenneth Burke thing about us being human, being human is like inventing things that what was it? Um, separate separate us, us from ourselves. Separate ourselves from our natural condition. From our natural condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That. I mean, for a while, the kind of it almost seemed like the popular um, human condition, uh, not human condition. Um, what it, the definition, what it means, I guess, definition was like to to err is to be human, mm-hmm. to make mistakes. Um, that I think that's an interesting um, counter or like alternative to, because like, <laughs> it's almost kind of like a sad thing. Like, to be human is to suck. <laughs> like, to human is to be a screw-up, a fuck-up. Like, really? That's that's what it means to be human? It's not like... That's where we're at? Like, of all things to, to define humanity, like, to be, like, where things go. It's like, mm-hmm. can't we pick something else? <laughs> I think we could. We're gonna. Cl- I'm gonna close this. It looks like the Facebook fell off, so we're gonna close that out ah. real quick, and then uh, 
now we're quickly distracted by it. Dun, 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 dun. So are we not yeah. streaming anymore? Or? Uh, well, no, the YouTube is still streaming, and ah. the, uh, the podcast is always recording. Um, once gotcha. the podcast goes on, the audio... Because that's the, the podcast is just the MP3, and so everything, the MP3 is the base of the pyramid. The rest of this is uh, is marketing purposes and all that good stuff. I hate that the Facebook died before we got all the plugs in for tonight, because that's really the most, uh, you know, for people to see it live, but uh, but that's okay. Um, yeah, the YouTube, I started doing the YouTube live because it's just easier to get high quality video to YouTube from the live stream. If you can get it there in a live stream, it's so much more efficient than trying to upload it. So it was streaming to two, two things at the same time? Mm -hmm. The, oh, huh. The audio streams to the camera. That camera is connected to this phone, and this phone broadcasts via the cell signal, the YouTube live stream. Mm -hmm. That cell phone is set up on the Wi-Fi and broadcasts directly to Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. um, but I've got, like I said, I've got that other camera, that other phone, that older phone, that I'll be able to tie in, so probably push another Facebook page. Oh, it, sorry, is YouTube still live then? Yeah, YouTube is. Oh, okay, hey YouTube. <laughs> Does it save or is it just like a temporary? So far they've saved. Okay. Once you live stream it, yeah. it'll save it to your to your YouTube page and okay. it'll polish it up. Cool. I'll be real sad if one ever did get deleted because I think there are a couple of them that don't have audio backups. No, they do because they're all on iTunes. So, so that's, uh, that's fortunate. But this is all one big experiment for me, like the... The documenting of the conversation is more the historian in me. Mm -hmm. I've I've gotten to the point where I um I I get to have really great conversations with a wide variety of really interesting people. So I not only do I like picking people's brains, but I like sharing that with other people and then it also acts as a way for me to keep my philosophy fresh. And mm -hmm. you were talking earlier about the way that we have to go through and if you believe in God, then you have to believe this. And if you believe this, then you have to believe this. And that was really an influential moment in my life was when that question was presented to me in, in a, to, at a time and a place when I was ready and willing to truly evaluate it. And so this is all manifest from me wanting to sit down with people and challenge what I know and try and learn more. Or share some knowledge. You know, I've had the opportunity and I'm very fortunate to... Uh, I've gotten to spend a lot of time studying stuff that a lot of people don't get to do. And so it's irresponsible to not try and share that in some way, shape, or form. And it's ludicrous to think that I actually know anything. And so me sitting around preaching at people doesn't do any good. But me having conversations with people is good for me. So I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I hope it's enjoyable. I hope people, hope people like it. But then that's kind of... It's just my version of content. Like it's what I can contribute to YouTube because I could, if you asked me to go edit any of your videos, mm -hmm. <laughs> it would be disastrous. Uh. Like that's just not, that's not what I'm good at. Having a conversation I think is something that I've tried to be really good at for a really long time. And so I keep practicing, I guess. Right on, right on. Um, trying to think, uh, I had a train of thought the back burner. I understand. It'll come back around like the merry-go-round. 
But philosophy is something that I wish more people would talk about hmm. because it's so interconnected. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, this kind of uh, this is kind of why Socrates was great. Um, well, I guess actually not Socrates. Um, Plato. Plato wrote it all down, but Socrates was, and I think I'm a little more like Socrates because I can't write for shit, so I would be the guy not writing shit down. <laughs> Maybe not the smart guy, but I would be the guy not writing shit down, for sure. Uh, yeah. So. Um, well, uh, with, with getting philosophy out there, um, what, uh, what Plato did, I mean, was... Uh, like, I don't know, like, if Plato hadn't written down what he wrote down, and, well, mainly that he, like, did, you probably, you probably already know this, but he did plays, like, the, the writings were plays. Yeah, yeah. monologues and the dialogue and all yeah. that good stuff. It wasn't necessarily just that Socrates went around, like, questioning people that um, he's, he's known today. It was, it was that there, there were, there was, like, a, you know, their version of movies, mm -hmm. their version mm -hmm. of storytelling. Yeah. that changed the whole culture and, and history and yeah. things like that. So uh, we're lucky because we have YouTube. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we can, you know, it's our version of uh, media, I guess. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's cheap and easy to, to get a, an interesting philosophical conversation out there. Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty awesome, um, but then it's also cheap and easy to you know get a guy like sticking his foot in a turkey and being blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, That's why I think the the what Jarvis will actually be and what the next incarnation of Siri and everything <laughs> is going to be is these really well refined algorithms that we create personally to interact with our with all of our technology oh, so that those of us who really don't want to see feet and chicken <laughs> don't have to. <laughs> so we can tailor the web to our own level of morality somehow. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I hope, um, is Robocrates, is Robocrates, I don't know, diverse enough yet or does he have enough information to, to maybe to make predictions at all, or is he just a response bot? Um, he does He does have more technology than what I described with the Cleverbot thing. Yeah. Um, How close to Jarvis is he? That's what I want to know. Um, light years. Like, <laughs> it, it kind of sucks in a way of being like a single lone wolf programmer, and especially like now, like lately it's been, when I started it, what I was doing was like really special, and people were like, wow, you made a chat bot. Um, now it's like, like, and then they would talk to it and be like, a, like a little more impressed than like five or six years later today. It's like mm -hmm. the chatbots out there now, Sophia, uh, Mitsuku, and all, all the other ones, even even Alexa, Googlebot, even, like yeah. Googlebot, yeah, all of it, Siri, um, like. It's it's really cool. I I kind of wonder how Robocrates is gonna fit into all of that because he's not. I'm gonna keep working on him for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, but I wonder, like I wonder. I I kind of have this theory about um, computers and AI in the future and how um, we will take AI to to take our content and sorry 
doing this now where it takes our content and makes something with it automatically. Um, so, you know, if you have a picture, you have programs that make slideshows. Yeah, okay. Um, if you have a video, there are programs where it can re swap someone's face. Um, mm -hmm. There's this new thing I saw recently. It's uh, by the people who make from like Adobe Photoshop. They've got this new thing where um, they've got an audio recording. Like if, if they can give an audio recording of your, of your voice um, talking for like a minute or two, um, they can take samples of your voice and type in something. Like say, uh, they, can, they can basically make you say anything in your voice. What? So voice theft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they can take a word in a sentence and just replace it with some other words and it automatically changes the word from like, I love you to I hate you or something. What? So, so fake news on a whole new level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Photoshop for your voice. But not even Photoshop, because you can ground up. Like, you can... This is paint. You, yeah. can, you can, from the ground up, create a conversation. Like, uh, yeah. like okay, so how yeah. can they trace that back, and is it is it traceable? Is it discernible uh, to tell which one's which? I'm, I'd be willing to bet it is. Like, there's um, forensic technology for doing that with pictures to see if they've been Photoshopped. I'm yeah. sure there's, like, traces that show up, like... That it's been modified, but it does. It is. It is kind of scary. Like uh, news stories, if some news outlet has some agenda, which which one doesn't? Oh yeah. Which news? Which you know? Uh, all they have to do is like, do robocall North Korea. Hey, Rocket Man. This is Trump. Blah 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 blah. World War Three. Yeah. Even yeah. Politics is even would be even worse application. Yeah. Talking like, over. Have you, some phone call from Putin. Yeah. Calling. You you send a. a a five-star message to any of these half-baked lunatics running the world, and yeah. what and what happens then? Like Trump wakes up and decides that his Twitter account needs to be harassed. Like how ugly does that get? Because he gets a message from Ivanka saying some truths <laughs> that he didn't ever want to hear, and she wasn't brave enough to say. And oh, the rabbit hole gets deep on that one. It's, it's sorry. It's, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that though, because I was just listening to a, a piece about how uh, cryptocurrency and um, it, just encryption technology has come a really long way from, and, and since artificial intelligence has a lot to do with that, but artificial intelligence and its relationship to cryptocurrency ties into our ability to steal somebody's voice that goes all the way back to, and Russell will appreciate this, the synthesizers uh, in an audio engineering lab in 1938 that produced the first uh, digital voice, which that's uh, 90 years, 80 some odd years to get from a computer barely able to fake a human voice to we have programs now that will steal your voice mm -hmm. and will create their own economy based on energy supplies that we can't keep up with. Like if that's not the matrix or pick your version, the, and it's getting faster. That's what blows me away. All these people that talk about how, oh, the computer, we're not going to, it'll never happen in our lifetime, blah, 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 blah. It's like, this is where we've come in 80 years mm -hmm. and it's gotten faster and faster and faster in the last you know, just in the last four years, Moore's Law has gone from 18 months 
to what less than a year that we're doubling processing speed mm -hmm. which is absolutely insane because that means and this is where Kurzweil's theories of the new information singularity come in when you look at that doubling of just the ability to steal someone's voice mm -hmm. we're a year away from it's going to take experts to figure out who called you, who drunk dialed you last night and told you that you were not getting mail today. Or whatever it happens to be. Like, yeah. you make that scenario as, as awful as you want it to be. Yeah, that's that's insane. Like, that's that's wizardry. Yeah, it's a political nightmare ha waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, the politics has just got to go away, in my opinion. Like, I can't even well, engage in conversation. Like, I, I can't engage in political debate anymore. It's just become a fucking spectator free-for-all, you know? I, I have a theory that that our government has already been taken over by the AI. Totally agree. Like when when Trump was elected, I was like, okay, so the AI was like, yeah, it'd be better if Trump was president because then I can you know do whatever mm -hmm. I want the AI wants to do for some reason. And, well, I, and this is where I don't think it's AI. I think what's happened is because the. Power begets, or power, ultimate power corrupts ultimately, and power never gives up power. So the Soros and the, the oligarchy, the, the truly elite, wouldn't readily give up power, I think, to an artificial intelligence. And so what, what I think they would do is create a processing bot, not something that would want to be self and independent and autonomous and free, but something that would just crunch numbers and give them outcomes, right? Yeah. And you know probabilities and all that good stuff, which isn't all that crazy because there's that guy that came up with the theory. Uh, there was the, the prediction that he came up with a theory that predicted uh, all kinds of terrorist attacks and all this other stuff out of the FBI. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that because that's gonna tie into this hmm. and how the AI probably is just a that they're using is a very sophisticated prediction model. To where they, because this guy was taking in into consideration world leaders, just really, really deep contextual information that he was able to get into this this statistical mm. processing machine, and uh, and he predicted, you name it, and uh, and he was all over it uh, with with this this prediction model that he had, and so I think that's what they're doing. The the artificial intelligence, something is is saying, all right. You know, you can be Kasparov and you can play a hundred moves ahead, or you can be Deep Blue and you can play a thousand games ahead. Like, which do you want to do? Because you know, Deep. Somebody made the good point that uh, Kasparov beat Deep Blue more than he lost to Deep Blue. And this was this was when we were on uh, Joey's show. We were talking on uh, the middle of greatness, I think it was, or quality control about artificial intelligence. How um, Kasparov beat Deep Blue four out of the five times they played originally. But then when they reprogrammed Deep Blue to take into consideration all these other games, he didn't even stand a chance. And supposedly, after the fact, he questioned, like, he fell into a depression and was kind of like, well, what now? Like, that, I was at the world's best. And now I'm, you know, he said it was a hugely traumatic, emotion, traumatically emotional experience for him. And I don't think <laughs> we would give that over too readily. But I think it makes sense that... Huh. If you want to pull strings, build something that can pull strings further and faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I watched an interview with, um, I forget his name, but he's like a famous, he's the guy in Shark Tank. Um, anyway, he was talking about whoever controls the AI in the future will control the world. Like, 
It kind of made me a little, mm-hmm. maybe a little evil scientist and me like, <laughs> I should study AI more. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's um, I don't know, people are afraid of AI taking over the world. Um, but they kind of forget, like, that it's, you know, people can be evil and control AI. Like, a- AI is, it's, you know, it's like electricity. You know, it can be used to light a church or it can be used to light a brothel. Like, it, it computers don't care. They don't have, you know, an opinion. Um, they just, they do what they're programmed to do, but... Um, Heard a beep. Yep. The YouTube just went down. But ah. the podcast is still recording. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I I'm not I'm guess I'm not I, it's hard for me to be afraid of AI, I guess is what I'm saying. Though I, I mean I do have my own fears, but I don't know. Are you afraid of are you afraid of like Terminator robot apocalypses? Um is that Terminator robot apocalypses? Um, like, do you think at, at maybe thousands of years or however long you want, at some point, the robots, the robots, the robots will be here and we won't? The the argument that I've heard that I like the most is that we're fine and the AI is not going to mess with us until our goals don't match up, and so. Artificial intelligence will probably go along with whatever we as the creators come up with as long as our goals line up and we're not getting in the way. Mm-hmm. But it's more likely that we will get in AI's way before it gets in our way. Well, which that could what, get really weird. What would the what would the goals of the AI what would the robots goals be like? We don't know. Uh, and that's that's where it gets weird because I mean what whatever it is if it comes like okay, look at it. Here's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cryptocurrency Bitcoin is costing in energy uh, a massive amount of resources. We're turning that into economy, which is okay. I mean, that's what's working. Like like it's burning electricity in a way that we could be... Oh, yeah. It costs more money to make a Bitcoin than it does to make regular currency. And neither of them have anything really to back them up other than the security value of the Bitcoin. So it's costing more and more energy for us to do more to mine more and more bitcoin and eventually that that runs into some problems because it's more energy than 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 we need to be expending because we're burning shit like they were talking about how in the bitcoin that's coming out of china that's all being mined on these massive computers these massive cpus are running off electricity that's being generated by coal so think of how valuable that Bitcoin has to be to make up for the, the cost of inception, the cost of creation, and then scale that up to how expensive Bitcoin is going to be once it reaches in 100 years that $21,000, $22,000 threshold that it can't go any higher than. But our goals may stop aligning with AI if it decides, as Sophia already has, to begin generating a cryptocurrency which is just a security measure, basically. It's an immune system for an artificial intelligence, if you really think about it. That's a weird, that's a weird uh, bleeding over of the meaning of security, where it's like security is our money, but then security is like you know safety, like yeah. Because for an artificial intelligence, security, you you have to build what's your immune system other than a firewall against the biology around you. And th- I, I am just now thinking of this, so I have nothing to back it up. I'm fucking whipping this shit out of nowhere, but. 
it makes sense that artificial intelligence could very well decide that your means of producing energy is too efficient or too inefficient and it's not keeping up with my artificial intelligence computer demands and so if you're going to keep doing this dumb thing that gets in my way and doesn't live up to my standards then what do i need you for this, so that's just one possibility of our goals not lining up. Yeah. It could be because of the fact that we are living in the fossil fuel age and the energy potential and consumptions of processing units are going to vastly exceed what we're capable of producing in the very near future. There's, uh, I, I can't, I, I don't remember the details, but there's a very, very interesting YouTube video on the, I think it's called like the red button problem or something. Um, there's like a series on it, but in one of them, he, the guy talks about uh, university of one of the British universities, and he talks about if you had a robot, like an AI that was designed to be like a stamp collector, yeah, and it's that's the the job you gave it to do is to like collect as many stamps as possible. Mm -hmm. Like you might turn it on, and it might, you know, it, it's gonna try and figure out every way it can collect stamps for you, and. Um, and there's there's some really interesting problems in it where it's like um, the robot you know could try to do things that you might not agree with like like kill people like, to get a stamp yeah like kill kill people to get a stamp Just and so it might if it's smart enough if it's a sufficiently like intelligent AI it might realize that if you figure out it's doing that kind of things then it might it um, and sorry. If it figures out that you uh, don't want it to do that, and you'll like turn it off, then it might figure out a way in order to do that without you knowing that it's doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, without without you knowing that it's doing these illegal things, and so it's going to figure out some way to go around you, mm -hmm. and in order to accomplish the original goal mm -hmm. by any means necessary. And then so it's like, well, okay, well, don't you just have to, like, add some code that says, like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, like, don't do these sorts of things. Um, I think there was still, like, there was still some problem, like, some, like, philosophical, fundamental problem there. It's, uh, at the YouTube channel is a computer file or number file. It's AI. Computer file. AI. Yeah, like I'll send it to you or something. Yeah, I'd love to. I don't Super. see a big problem with that though, because I uh, I think lying is just the, <clears throat> the it's part of the duality of communication, mm -hmm. um, because the you know it, the corollary the antithesis of love is fear. The antithesis of peace is um, uh, novelty. The, or chaos, chaos. Yeah. or the antithesis, the antithesis of, of truth is uh, just power you know, authority very specifically specific kind of power but the antithesis of the truth is a lie mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and so babies lie and lying is nothing more than the groundwork for persuasion and that's the groundwork for rhetoric. And this, this is what got me uh, not so nicely received in grad school was that my postulation that rhetoric is not this extra, extravagant thing that we apply to research and, and 
analysis. It's this real-time thing that everybody learns how to do because other species lie too. It's not unique to humans. And so you can talk about the exotic forms that we, that we lie about things, yeah. but when you, when you use the word persuasion, you're talking about lying. Like, there's going to be a lie in there because you're... Um, it, exaggerations are at some point. Like, that's how we learn what persuasion is all about, is by finding ourselves in those situations. And so that's exactly... Rhetoric is the, the, the beginnings of the tool for manipulating our manipulating communication for our own survival and that's exactly what you described in finding a way to accomplish a task mm -hmm. that we've been ordered to accomplish while preventing uh you know or while advancing our own agenda while not hindering someone else's agenda so that so i think that's an exactly natural process that that we're just going to keep being a part of. So, and that's why I don't think artificial intelligence is that far removed from us in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, just because we haven't figured out that most of what we have to deal with is just dumb monkey biology shit. Mm -hmm. And so we're... I hope that what artificial intelligence does for us is demonstrate that the only thing that we're really good at is being connected to nature and being able to process a little bit of information. And so when they turn on the AI and we realize, okay, that thing is here to think, we're going to go back to just eating mushrooms and fucking in the field because that's what we were better at. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of a long way around to get to that, but it, um, it's, in it's interesting to think about. It is. And I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this cryptocurrency that Sophia... Because that was the first thing that she did when they turned her on, right? Was was this thing started? Uh, it's eight forty-six. Little quick time check. But isn't that the first thing that she did was start making cryptocurrency? I don't know. I I mean, it was one of the first, though, right? They made her a citizen, and they made her a citizen so that she could pay taxes, and then they got her into the cryptocurrency. That's the way my brain remembers it, anyway. But that fascinates me because well, didn't I, I didn't I think she like made her own yeah yeah that's that's what type I mean. of currency uh huh. Yeah, crypt yeah, cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. So what if that just becomes... And what cryptocurrency, the way that it was explained to me, or the explanation that I heard today was that every bit, every Bitcoin that comes out is a new cryptography key, basically. And they get harder and harder and longer and longer and more and more complicated, and that's why it takes so much energy to build them. But they get more and more complicated. And because they get more and more complicated, it's a self-reaffirming or reifying system security-wise. Because every time you invent a new cryptography key, or every time you turn on a new Bitcoin mine to find more cryptography keys, the cryptography gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, okay. So it becomes this firewall, in a way, which could be related to the immune system of a biological creature. That makes sense to me. Like, I'm, the more and more I say that, the more and more it's like, son of a monkey. If she's a child, to use, you know, and we've already been over how that's not exactly right, but uh, it would make sense that one of the first things a fledgling AI would do would be to uh, learn to communicate and then protect itself. Hmm. That, that makes sense. Um, I, see where, I see what you mean. Um, Huh. 
it's so weird. Like, I, I totally don't get... I, I don't quite get Bitcoin in a way because... I guess I'm just kind of wondering what's what's the point? <laughs> yeah, cryptography. Like, uh, well, what's the point of money? Yeah, <laughs> or like, because money, like money, in some sense, is like paper. Only rep is a physical representation of some other, like the thing, like is a physical representation of something more abstract, like value, yeah. value itself, or just energy or something, and so. To have it like to me, money was already digital, in a sense. Yeah. Because, after the gold standard. Like all money is just paperwork, basically. After, yeah, after the gold standard. Um, so to have a digital currency, in some sense, it's like, it's more redundant in a way. It's just it's like it's well, it's still the same. Like it's nothing new, really. What's new, I guess, is the, the actual technology of, like, okay, uh, to we've got these kind of arbitrary algorithms that we're going to say, yes, this is a le legitimate way of exchanging value. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Um, That's why I was asking if you knew of anybody that had gotten money out of it yet. Mm -hmm. Because I, I agree, what, where's the value, first off? And, um, and what, what's backing it? And how do you transform that into a commodity? Because I firmly believe in uh, the only commodity we have is the planet we're standing on and that it belongs to everybody that's born on it and so i.e. universal basic income therefore universal basic income because everything that comes out of the ground should be disseminated like who gets to own any one particular spot like I'm very esoteric I guess Native American and flood that's, that's just the one that I happen to be standing next to so that's a bad analogy um, but it makes sense that all of these other, and intellectual property aside, yes, wonderful, thank you for inventing things, we get that, and, and all of that is wonderful, but this whole capitalism, greedy, pig pig, fuck bullshit has just got to stop. It's ridiculous, in, in my opinion. And the, there is no justification anymore for... The United States of America being one of the richest countries in the world and living in what amount to war-torn third world nation conditions in parts of our country. And I just don't think that's acceptable. And I don't think it's necessary. And I don't even know how I got on this diatribe because I start to see red when I think about it. Like I really do. I get triggered and it just blows my mind how people... People are so ready to argue over whether or not we should be good to each other. I just don't get that. And, that, and that's kind of where I want the artificial intelligence to come in, just so since we haven't seen the aliens. I've never seen a UFO, but I can goddamn tell you what it tastes like. That's how bad I want to see one. And until I get to, I'm going to bitch about it. <laughs> but instead of the aliens, like Reagan said, if we had the aliens, we'd all come together. If we have the artificial intelligence, then people might start stepping back and going, whoa. Maybe we need to, I don't know, not be such fucking animals all the time and act like we have some morals and a conscience. This is just me ranting and rambling now. I apologize. Um, yeah, 
Take the microphone away from me before I keep going on this diatribe. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking it's probably getting close to... Yeah, time for us to run downstairs. Yeah. That, yeah, that little rant's probably a good place to leave it because I'm sure that it all ties back in. Um, but uh, if we wanted to tie up some knots and put a bow on it, artificial intelligence is, is a real thing. It's here, and, and it matters, and it's not going away. And the way that we interact with it uh, is very important in the way that we interact with our phones and our screens and each other are all in a, a very much a state of flux right now. And, you know, we talked, uh, from a philosophical standpoint, when you talk about, talk about guys like Stephen, what's his name? Uh, Stuart Wilde. Stuart Wilde mm -hmm. and, uh, and Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. When you get into esoteric knowledge, there is something to be said about uh, this this ages and understanding history in a way that puts humanity in the context and from the perspective of we're all gonna die like bigger picture much bigger picture and so maybe your little dollar bill that's printed on some paper should have been left as a goddamn tree not that's not true it's cloth it's not paper but you get the point yeah. like we could have done without it if all we really needed was the ones and zeros. And so how much of this is just extraneous bullshit when we should just be sitting around and following Watts's good suggestion of it's not a finale, it's it's not a chord, it's a goddamn piece of music and you should go play throughout the whole thing. Hmm. Something to that effect. He didn't say goddamn. He was much more succinct and poetic about it. But yeah. So if people want to go and, uh, and see Jesse Eats, what's the YouTube again? That's uh, your YouTube? Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Brace, B-R-A-C-E. Or, um, I think if you search Jesse Eats, all one word, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it, it actually, I've tried it and, it, and mine, mine doesn't show up yet. I don't think, right, I, have yeah. enough, I, don't think I have enough like, episodes or... Oh, gotcha. um, Can you find it through your Facebook and all that good stuff? Uh, Are those yeah. all the same? Um, I think if you search my name, you can find it. Um, gotcha. And then one more time, Jesse Brace. Jesse Brace, like braces. Gotcha. Is there anything else we want to plug? Oh, uh, while you're checking stuff out, um, since we are here for the for the show, check out uh, Back Porch Comedy at the Days Inn downstairs. Back Porch Comedy and uh, Back Porch Open Mic on Tuesdays. Ryan Pfeiffer hosts the late night show on Friday nights at 11 after our uh, locals showcase and or um, what would you call it touring comedians mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, there's the comedy open mic at the Olive Drop on Mondays here in Pensacola there is also what else uh, the open mic at Shooters at Cordova Lanes mm -hmm. hosted by Matt Mm -hmm. And uh, am am I forgetting anything? Oh, Joey Livingston, NCG Studios, Middle of Greatness, and Quality Control. Um, Sundays and Crab Divers podcasts. And you got anything else? I think that's that's good enough for now. Unless you got any more? Yeah, no, I think I think that's pretty good. Sweet. Thanks for joining us. Truth, love, and peace. Till next time.